Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Thursday, November 16th, City of Sacramento Plan and Design Commission meeting. Uh, please silence all electronic devices. Uh, we're going to begin the meeting. If you'd like to speak on any of the items during public comment, there are comment cards in the back. Please provide them to the Commission Secretary in the front. Uh, we'll start with roll call. Commissioner Bodipo member? Here. LaFosso? Here. Coville? Hoffman? Here. Lindsay? Here. Farrell? Here. Lucky Bomb? Here. Rogers? Juan Connolly? Here. E? Ogilvie? Vice Chair Lucian? Chair Burke? Here. You have a quorum. Fantastic. We'll move down to the consent calendar, approval of the minutes of November 2nd, 2017. Second. Fantastic. I have a motion from Commissioner Pluckybaum, a second from Commissioner Bodipa Memba. We'll go with a vote. Commissioner Wong Connolly? Aye. Pluckybaum? Aye. Farrell? Aye. Lindsay? Aye. Kaufman? Aye. Lafaso? Aye. Depot member? Aye. Burke? Aye. Motion passes. Fantastic. We'll go to um, item number two on the consent calendar, the director's report. Director Cosgrove. I have a couple of, uh, well, I have many actual um, new hires and staffing changes to go over with you tonight. Um, the first and foremost being that we officially have a new planning director, which is great news. It's uh, Tom Pace. You probably remember Tom um, working for many years for the city before he went to the city of Stockton um, as their deputy community development uh, director. And now he'll be coming back as our planning director. So we're really looking forward to welcoming him back to the city. Um, we also have, uh, oh, and he'll start on uh, December 11th. Uh, we also have a new new growth manager. Her name is Cheryl Hodge, and Cheryl worked most recently for the San Diego Association of Governments, or SANDAG, um, working on managing environmental clearance permits, compliance programs uh, for rail projects and other capital improvement projects for them. She's well-versed in CEQA and NEPA, and she'll be working on um, annexations, compliance with our habitat conservation plan, and many other duties. Uh, we have a new South Area senior to replace Antonio Ablog. Um, it's Jason Hone, who is, uh, currently works for the city as a project manager, um, overseeing projects in the <coughs> building as they wind their way through the building division and their building permits, and so he'll be coming over to planning um, and working as a South Area senior, so we'll see him a lot here. And then uh, we have two new zoning investigators. Both of our zoning investigators, Steve Grove and Bill Hutchin, uh, retired within a couple of months of each other, so we've had the opportunity to hire two new zoning investigators, um, one Thomas Adams and Joe Rodriguez. Uh, Thomas worked most recently for the Public Works Department, uh, processing abandonments, and Joe comes to us from the Code Enforcement Division, uh, also within CDD, but he'll be now working as a zoning investigator, so we're, we're really excited to um, have them on board, and they'll, they enforce... Um, violations of the planning and development code and um, and the conditions of approval that we approve here and at various public hearings. So uh, lots of exciting news there. Uh, and one report out on a recent uh, activity from city council. Uh, this Tuesday, past Tuesday, the um, 
Council approved the Swanson Oaks subdivision project. It was there before them um, on appeal. That concludes my presentation. Thank you so much, Director Cosgrove. Now we'll go to the public hearing. Item number three, West Shore Lot B, P16-003. Any commissioners need to recuse themselves or ex parte communications? Commissioner Bodipa member. Thank you, Chair Burke. I did have conversation with representative, representatives of the applicant team uh, related to items in the staff report. Thank you. Commissioner Lindsay. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. I had conversations with representatives from the developer, representatives of the planning staff, and um, District 1 staff. Thank you, Commissioner Lindsay. <laughs> Commissioner Kaufman. Thank you. I had meetings with representatives of the applicant. Thank you, Commissioner Coffin. Commissioner LaFazzo. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Also met with representative of the applicant on issues contained in the staff report. Thank you. Commissioner Pluckybaum. Same. And I also met with uh, representative of the applicant. Mr. Meltzer. Thank you. Good evening, Chair Burke, and thank you, Commissioners. My name is Ethan Meltzer. I'm the assigned uh, assistant planner to review uh, this project, P16-003, West Shore Lot B. Uh, the applicant is proposing a senior housing development that consists of 53 single-unit dwellings on 6.8 acres in the proposed single-unit and duplex R1A PUD zone within the Natoma Central Planned Unit Development. Uh, this request requires a general plan amendment, a rezone, PUD schematic plan amendment, PUD guidelines amendment, tentative map with deviations, and site plan and design review with deviations. The property itself is currently vacant and located in North Natomas along Don River Lane in between Suez Canal Lane and Red Sea Lane. To the north and south of the site are existing small parks. To the west of the project is a walking path that runs along uh, the West Shore water feature. And the community center is located directly to the east of the project on the other side of Don River Lane. Uh, the site was previously designated for 100 condo units. Uh, with the original approval of the Natoma Central Planned Unit Development back in 2005. However, the applicant is now uh, proposing to reduce the density of the site by 47 units and proposing 53 single-family homes. Uh, the reduction in density is what triggered the need for a rezone as well as a general plan amendment and a schematic plan amendment. The proposed development is consistent with the general plan as well as the suburban or the general plan designation suburban neighborhood medium density um, as well as most applicable development standards. However, the project is requesting four deviations uh, for implementing a non-standard street elbow, non-standard street design, for reducing the lot depth on some of the lots, and also for exceeding the front paving setback for two of those proposed lots. And staff supports these deviations. Um, the applicant is proposing five different single-story, single-family house plans. Each house plan will have three elevations and will range in size from 1,298 square feet to 769 square feet. And each of the residences will have an attached two-car garage. The design of the homes were reviewed by the design review staff and were determined to be acceptable. Staff has received several phone calls as well as letters from the community about this proposal. Uh, most of the phone calls uh, were to ask questions about getting a better understanding of what the project was proposing. And for the most part, once I explained to them that the density of the project was being reduced, uh, that alleviated most concerns. 
Uh, staff did re receive an opposition letter from a nearby property owner who had concerns about allowing this development within the flight path of the Sacramento Airport. Generally, staff does not find that this project is controversial. Um, there were several changes made um, to the project staff report within the last week. Um, these changes include um, there was a technical error with our Legistar software um, which did not upload a section of the staff report which was the description analysis portion of the staff report. Um, so that was added back in. Um, there were some updates to corrections in the exhibit and language in the addendum document. Uh, there were modifications to the conditions of approval and I also, or we added in a letter that we received from a nearby property owner and then also switched out um, a letter that we received from the North Natomas Community Coalition, um, which was updated recently. Um, you should have received those, uh, those updates in the packet. So, overall, the proposal is consistent with the proposed sub suburban neighborhood medium density general plan designation, the R1A zone, and the Natomas Central PUD guidelines. This proposal would allow residents living in the area an additional option for for sale market rate dwelling units with attached garages for seniors. Staff recommends the Planning and Design Commission forward a recommendation of approval uh, of the project to the City Council subject to the findings of fact and conditions of approval located in the staff report. And uh, staff is here to answer any questions that you may have, um, but the applicant would also like to make a brief presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Meltzer. Uh, I have one brief comment. Forgive me, colleagues. I failed to publicly mention it's on the agenda, but item number seven, the 1500 C Street Marijuana Cultivation and Non-Volatile Manufacturing has been withdrawn. It'll be renoticed on the agenda for a future date. Just as in case anyone's here for that item, it's not that we won't take that up today. <coughs> Good evening, Mr. Chair and members of the Commission. My name is Olga Shirelli. I'm with Kehavninian Homes and applicant for the project. So, um, I don't know where you're looking at. Um, <laughs> I'm looking on this screen. Um, what you see in front of you is the West Shore, and um, the site that we are uh, proposing new development, there is no. There is no bread. But anyway, um, it's a last uh, parcel. Uh, residential parcel in the West Shore um, and located um, just uh, south of the existing clubhouse. Um, on this slide you see the portion of the West Shore that is an um, um, active adult community 
we prefer active adult term rather than senior. Um, and as you see that uh, it's directly located, it's between uh, Lodge and the lake. Um, on this slide, um, we would like to show you how uh, the massing is going to work on this particular site. So we're proposing, you know, five different floor plans and with three elevations um, in each. Um, and also pedestrian access to the um, existing uh, pedestrian walk. Um, also on the south side um, of the, the south southern corner, you'll see the access and um, ADA accessible ramp that goes down to the pedestrian walk to the lake. And also small um, gathering place. Uh, just a few benches, you know, for residents to, if they want to discuss something or go for a walk, it's kind of meeting place. Um, so um, this is our tentative map, um, um, and this particular slide describes um, what the proposed cross-sections are, and also the cross-sectional, cross-section between the lake and uh, in the relationship between lake and the uh, proposed homes. Um, and here we would like to point out that um, on the left slide you will see that the original proposal was a 100-unit um, apartment complex uh, at 14.7 dwelling units per acre. And right now we're proposing 53 uh, single-family residential units. Um, so this is a rendering of the uh, original proposal, uh, three stories um, apartment complex. So um, what we're proposing is not new. This is a extension of currently selling um, Four Seasons uh, winter collection which is uh, five different house types in the range between 1,300 square feet to 1,800 square feet. Um, all of them are single stories, uh, two-car garages, and full-size driveways. Those are the um, images of our current models and um, just there on sites. However, with this particular phase, we would like to build two more new models to just update, you know, to stay current with uh, design and features. Um, so this is just the black and white uh, elevations for each house plan and uh, elevation. Um, on this particular slide, um, we essentially designed every single lot with one house in mind. So um, on the right side, you will see that it's color-coded. The only plan that we currently don't offer in this particular phase, rather than the first one, is a Unit 2, which is set up for T-courts, which we're not planning to do in this particular um, parcel. Um, this particular slide uh, describes the pedestrian circulation, uh, existing sidewalks, and proposed new sidewalks. Um, this particular slide um, shows um, 
typical proposed landscaping and uh, master plan material list that's uh, drought tolerant. Um, and this has been reviewed by uh, urban forestry and approved. Um, parking. On the left side, you will see the typical uh, parking counts with the originally approved project of the um, apartments, uh, 120 units. And on the right side, you will see we have uh, um, 13 parallel street parking on our side on Don River Way and 100 driveway spaces. We also have um, plenty of parking spaces on the north east side of the Don River Way um, by the clubhouse. And also, plentiful parking is available in front of the clubhouse for large parties or such um, if there is no, um, if it needs to be accommodated. All they have to do is just uh, uh, notify Lodge that they have, a, they expect a party of 20, 30, or whatever it is to prevent scheduling conflicts. Well, that's about it. Um, if you have any questions, I'll be happy to answer. And our team, um, civil engineers uh, here. Um, well, thank you very much. Thank you. Commissioner Plockybaum. I'm sorry? Are there, are there any conditions that you're particularly concerned about or um, the staff recommendation is? We worked out most of the conditions. There is a finishing touches that we need to add to two conditions, but just due to timing, they're just not finaled. Um, we're not really concerned about it. They will be handled within the next um, two days. Um, so we are comfortable proceeding as it is at this point. Thank you, Commissioner Plockybaum. Commissioner Lindsay. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, I wanted to ask, what is your, what was your reasoning for abandoning the uh, apartment complex and going with the, the, the 53 single family homes for seniors? Well, um, if you look at the, um, unfortunately, I don't have a red. <laughs> pointer um, the side is um, is an infill side and kind of sandwiched between uh, existing existing constructed residences and you know probably like a year and a half ago two years ago um, some residents voiced concern about building um, such a structure because all of those homes are single stories for active adult. This is an entire area for um, uh, for active adults. So everything that's um, around them. So, so north and south um, is already built out. Um, south we build. North is Elinar. And if you look at this slide you will see that those uh, buildings are towering three stories tall and people just did not want it and um, we didn't want to build it and you had mentioned that this is an existing product already that that you've been selling so is there a, a high we, demand we have a similar product um, in Malpitas that we just closed um, yes uh, it's called Traverse mm. Um, in those, well, it's, 
it's somewhat very expensive to build three stories and above. Um, and unfortunately, it's not economically feasible to build it here um, because we still provide very attractive uh, price points for single family and um, our buyers still prefer single family homes rather than uh, condominium type of um, residences. So you would probably characterize um, these cottages or patio homes more as affordable by design than some of the... Um, well, um, I wouldn't say that because when people say affordable... Uh, not, it's not affordable housing, but in terms of some of the other housing that surrounds... Um, Yes, they definitely were definitely very competitive in terms of uh, price points. Like, for example, um, our uh, 1,300 square feet, um, the smallest one that you see right um, on this slide, um, 2.2 is, starts 2.99 for the base model, you know, before all the upgrades. Um, and our most expensive base price for 1,800 square feet um, is 354. Okay. And then um, just a quick question about parking because I understand the streets are private so there's and there's not room to have parking on either side of the street. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned uh, overflow. Well, there's two car garages, two cars can fit in a driveway, and then some overflow and in, into the clubhouse. So will the um, prospective buyers be made aware of that before they? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Those are part of the, our standard disclosures. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. You know, they will have to sign a stack of paper this thick. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. It will be, obviously, it will be disclosed and that no parking will be allowed on the streets um, except for Don River uh, parallel. And also, if you look at this slide, you will see that all of those uh, on another side of the street, those are the perpendicular parking spaces. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I don't have a, a Google Earth photo um, that shows um, um, Clubhouse, maybe maybe the first one. Um, oops, so this one. So if you take a look at this particular photo, just exactly where words exist in Clubhouse, all of that dark area is uh, parking. And, all, and obviously, it's all connected with the sidewalks. Mm -hmm. So um, we're not con concerned about uh, that it's going to draw away from the project in terms of buyers. Right. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Commissioner Lindsay. Commissioner LaFosco? Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you for your presentation. Maybe I misheard your comment at your first slide. Is this area senior housing or active adult housing? This is an active adult housing. Okay, I think our staff report said it was senior housing. So In the first page, it's mistakenly um, stated senior. Um, and um, I don't know exactly uh, what connotation you attach to it. This is an active adult uh, lifestyle. So uh, this is a for people who are, don't have children. Um, and it's age-restricted housing, if that's what... Well, actually, no, I, I was going to try not to lean to any connotations, but it okay. sounds to me like you're, I mean, my initial question was how, maybe I'll start at the top. 
How much of the housing in West Shore is age-restricted? And if there are different age restrictions to amplify your answer, that might be helpful. Um, if you look at this slide, so I would say a quarter of West Shore is allocated for active adult. Which means uh, a homeowner needs to be, a home buyer needs to be age 55 or older? Yes, one of the, one of, one person in a couple should be uh, of that age. Okay. Is there a, um, a senior housing category in West Shore that's more restrictive than active adult? I'm not aware of that. Okay. Again, I'm, the term senior housing, well, actually, th that gets me to my next question, which was when I first read that, um, as alluding to Commissioner Lindsay's question, there's a category of subsidized housing that is generally known as senior housing, which is... No, this is a market rate. That uh, part I understand. My real question was, um, was this parcel... I'm sure you're familiar with our old inclusionary housing ordinance, the one that required certain set-asides for affordable housing in new mm -hmm. growth areas that was replaced by a new ordinance. Was this ever designated for under the old inclusionary house? That's, that was my question. No. Um, as far as I understand, there is a, um, if Katie, um, if Katie uh, will, there is a um, affordable uh, apartment complex within the West Shore. I'm sorry, there is an affor the affordable, there is affordable um, apartment complex within the West Shore and it's located um, on Monero Rica. Okay, one is on Monero Rica, um, right where the market rate community to the right, and then also on Del Paso, uh, le right to the school, from the school. The, you see that light uh, blue uh, rectangle? So there is an apartment complex next to it, to the right. I made the mistake of looking at my screen. Did you, do you have some kind of laser pointer that I was missing, or it's not working. working? I won't worry about it if it's not working. Oh, you can use the mouse that's there with the laptop. Oh, there we are. You're not speaking to the microphone. You can actually FYI. take the mouse up to the podium. Yeah. Technology is a wonder, huh? <laughs> I feel so dumb. <laughs> So <laughs> this particular location is reserved. And it's, a, it's a fully occupied and constructed um, affordable uh, apartment complex. And this one, as Katie pointed out correctly, this one is a market rate apartment complex. Got it. Appreciate it very much. One more question than one for staff. This, this, the, the discussion about the parking at the clubhouse across mm -hmm. from, is it Don Price Way? Uh, Don River. Don River. Um, if, if I were a homeowner in this, and I'm close, if I were a homeowner in this uh, community and I had, say, a 10-person dinner party and my guests parked at the clubhouse across the street, would they be walking to my home? I heard something about a shuttle, and I was going to ask about how that worked. Um, no, I think um, there will be walking. Okay. Appreciate that. Yeah, um, but if needs to be clarified, um, I, 
I, I don't know if there is a such a service currently. I'm, I wasn't aware of that. Okay, I'm not, I'm not trying to amplify the conditions. I was just trying to familiarize, familiarize, familiarize myself with what's the norm in mm -hmm. West Shore. Appreciate it. Uh, question for staff. Um, North Natomas land use policies 1.8, 1.9, uh, balance of residential density, housing type diversity. So part of my question seems to be answered by 1.8. What I wanted to ask is what are the, what are the parameters of um, the densities described in the North Natomas land use policy? The 1.8 discussion seems to suggest in this linchpin reference to medium density that the medium density is the upper end of the density and the lower end density is the lower end of the density. But when there's diversity discussed in this policy, I was just trying to understand what the range is. For example, if we were answering this question in the central city, the range would be as, as, as it would be R1B at the, at, the, at, the, at the downside and something like, you know, R5A at the upper end. I know we don't have R5A in the Thomas. So I'm not even going to go there. But in any way, to illustrate what I'm trying to ask, what, what's the range of the density diversity that's discussed in this policy? Um, so for this area, the large or the highest density designation is R3, which is what this site is currently right now. Um, I, off the top of my head, I'm not sure exactly. 30 units to an acre. It goes up to 30 yeah. dwelling units per acre. Um, and so the, the purpose of this um, uh, policy that you identified, um, it's, it's saying that, you know, the, the lower density development should be um, kind of farther away while the, the higher density should be near the, the public um, transportation um, and major intersections and things like that, whereas um, this site is not anywhere near anything like that. Appreciate that. Can you, do you know offhand what percentage of West Shore, excluding this parcel, let's just assume for the sake of my question that the, the, the entitlements you're seeking tonight are approved. Assuming that, what percentage of West Shore is R3A? You know, often. Percentages of what? What percentage of what more? What percentage of West Shore is the density level at the higher end, which Mr. Meltzer identified as R3A? Well, we building. Um, we have some lots that are, you know, 45s by uh, 75s, which is a uh, smaller than this one. And this one is 55, 56 by 75. So this one is not the most dense. Understood. College. I was just, and, and it sounds to me like more dense in this context means single-family homes on smaller lots, not multifamily developments, excluding, of course, the two items that you identified. Yeah. If you look question. at this, um, if you look at this slide. Um, Um, so there is a high density located right here. There is a high density located right here, here. Yes, I think that's pretty much this strip. Uh, that's where you can find. Uh, and actually, also, this is the same product that's set up um, as a T-Quartz, yeah. but it's the same product. 
Understood. I think we had an iteration of that corner before us about 18 months ago. But I can't really uh, put a number. I'm just not prepared to give you a percentage. Uh, appreciate that. No, I, okay. Appreciate your attempt to be responsive in the moment. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Commissioner Alfaso. Uh, I just have one more question back to the, the parking thing. I know Don River and the clubhouse is where folks are going to park, <coughs> but streets three and four, they're standard engineered streets, right? It's not like it's a small street or anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Seeing no other commissioner questions or comments, we'll go to public comment. Thank you. Public comment on this item? Seeing none. Commissioner Lindsay? Um, I'd like to move the staff recommendations. Fantastic. We have a motion from Commissioner Lindsay, a second for Commissioner Pluckybaum. We'll go with the vote. Commissioner Bodipo member? Lafaso? Aye. Hoffman? Aye. Lindsay? Aye. Carol? Aye. Pluckybaum? Aye. Wong Connolly? Aye. Vice Chair Lucian? Aye. Mr. Burke? Aye. Motion passes. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. We'll go now to item number four, Howe and Folsom Commercial and Drive-Thru Restaurant, P16-058. Any commissioners need to recuse themselves or identify communications? Seeing none, uh, we will go with Ms. Haney. to need the overhead in just a minute. Hello, my name is Teresa Hange with the Planning Division and I'm here to present on the Howe and Folsom Commercial Project and Drive-Through Restaurant. The project is a 5,137 square foot commercial building with four tenant spaces. One of the tenant spaces includes a drive-through facility. Supplemental material was provided for this project and included in, is an addition of one condition that allows an existing left turn lane from Folsom to Bicentennial to include um, a U-turn. And this U-turn was analyzed as part of the traffic analysis. So I think the best way to get this. Here's the project site right here. This is Bicentennial Drive and then this is Folsom. Bicentennial Drive actually has two intersections with Folsom. This one is an intersection with a traffic light. And this is an exhibit that shows the existing and proposed U-turn. So this is Folsom, and it has right now a left turn that goes on to the eastern leg of Bicentennial Circle. And the proposal change is just right here, which is to allow a U-turn. And again, that is a traffic signal at that intersection. So that was one of the supplementals, and all that was was a, uh, an additional condition. 
There was also supplemental material um, that included a portion of the staff report, the description analysis section, that was unintentionally omitted. Um, as, as Ethan before me had that same experience. Um, as you know, we have recently started to use new software for publishing our reports, and clearly we're still working out the technical details, so we will work on that so that doesn't happen again. Um, and however, where staff can, is here to answer any, any questions you may have on that section, that section was emailed to you earlier today. Um, the project, so back to the project, the project, uh, the proposed project at Howe and Folsom is non-controversial and staff has not received any comments of opposition to the project. Staff recommends the, the commission approve the project because it develops a vacant lot. It provides commercial services to nearby residential office and transit users and will contribute to diversifying uses on Howe Avenue and Folsom Boulevard corridors. Um, that concludes my presentation. The, application do, the applicant does have a brief presentation, and both the applicant and staff are available to answer any questions you have afterwards. Thank you. Good evening, I'm Neil DeRitter, the uh, architect for the project. And I will be, I will be brief. The, uh, the story of this, uh, this lot is actually sort of described here on the screen. It's uh, one of restriction. We've got a, an awful lot of easements crossing this lot. We've got an accepted parcel along Folsom that does not belong to the developer. We've got some high transmission lines, some, there's, PG&E, some PUEs, setbacks for the, uh, the PUD. So what you see here is everything in gray is beyond our reach. We've got a building envelope that is basically this little wedge right here. So we did our best to, you know, we've got the drive entry here, and it's, it's a small project, about 5,000 square feet, parking along the front here. And what we wanted to do was provide a, uh, you know, community, some community commercial and also a, uh, a drive-through. Um, if this is a future coffee shop, I, I tend to uh, wind up at this Home Depot quite often on the weekends. And my plan is to come through here and grab a coffee before I walk through Home Depot. So the, um, I think we did a good job with the space we had. I'll show you some interesting images we've been through quite a few iterations with this design actually the a lot of things you're not seeing here are the uh, the connection to the sewer was a real challenge that's going to be a, a big expense for the project and we at one point came into you folks with a sort of vanilla stucco commercial building with some articulation on the facade and a heavy cornice. And I think the, the developer, Andrew, who's here tonight, challenged us at one point and said that, you know, we see so much of this, it's almost become sort of the standard. You guys spit the, these things out pretty quick, and they all kind of look the same. And he asked for something a little more timeless, something with classic materials but some modern forms. 
So we, so we went to a classic brick, and we've, uh, fortunately, with the sort of triangular shape, we got sort of a stair step across this facade, which gave each tenant its own sort of individual identity. And we put in some, uh, some more modern forms and materials with the metal, some heavy steel channels, some of these tensile structures, in an attempt to get a, you know, a classic material but a more contemporary form. And uh, we're, we're pretty happy with the results. So I won't, uh, I won't belabor things. The developers here are civil engineers here. And I'm here if there are any other questions. Thank you so much. Um, we have a quick question from Commissioner LaFossa. I think that's a suggestion from the chair. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, two questions. Um, did you I, somehow I gleaned from the staff report this was going to be a Starbucks? Did you suggest that's not necessarily the case a moment ago? Um, I'll let the developer speak to that. And We're under a is it a, agreement? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Chairman, if he wants to come say whatever, confidentiality won't say. Um, can you just elaborate on what the your, your thoughts on what you all did to facilitate pedestrian connectivity, not necessarily with reference to the Walk Sacramento request. There's a lot of... Well, the, we expect most of the, the traffic to come from probably the north, the neighborhood foot traffic. And we've got a... Uh, let me get it. So if, as we suspect, most of the traffic is going to come from the north, there is an existing path that basically crosses this entire side of the site. And another thing that delayed us quite a bit was uh, working out an easement with the state to allow us to use a portion of that path to connect to our site. So we see most of the traffic coming from the north along this path. If there, there could be some traffic from the east, that would come up and around. Probably not, not a lot from Folsom, but if there are some, there are some hotels across the street that would connect to this existing path and across. So we see most of it coming from this side, and that's why we've got, you know, from this southern point, from this northern point, they sort of come together in the middle and lead you to the front, this front courtyard area of the buildings. Appreciate that very much. I'm advised by staff that you've... Uh been pretty diligent in your engagement with the state. I'm not, I, I don't imagine you really can answer this question since I don't think you live there, but do you have any insights on what the walk path is for the residents, say, in that apartment on the north edge of Bicentennial Circle, whether they use that route or what their walk path is to the power and light rail station? Well, I think this is, I don't, I can't get an internet page here, can I? <clears throat> Teresa, can I get a? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So as you can see, majority of these folks, I imagine, are going to come right down by Centennial. There's a fair amount of housing here that Probably, you know, 50-50, which way is closer? I imagine if you're in this side, 
rather than going down to, to uh, Folsom, you could come across and over. But I would say this, the bulk of these folks, I don't know where they would go other than down by Centennial. But I can't say for sure. I don't live there. <laughs> uh, since you don't live there, uh, anyway, I appreciate your answer. Sure, sure. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Commissioner LaFaso. Commissioner Kaufman. Sure. My question is for staff. Peggy, did RT comment on this project at all? Their only comment was that they had no comment on the project. It, it's sort of a curiosity to me, and I'm, I'll probably raise this again every time I see this happening, but they raised an issue several meetings ago relative to luxury auto cars on Richards Boulevard because they considered that an auto-oriented use, which it wasn't. This is clearly an auto or in use, and yet we haven't heard anything from them about this. Can you sort of, without them here to make a comment about it, can you just sort of walk me through the rationalization of why this is okay from that perspective? I will not represent RT's <clears throat> thought process, <laughs> but I, I know that in terms of that light rail station, um, it's also a park and ride station and it does have pedestrian connectivity and pathways that head to Folsom Avenue. Those pathways, though, are rather constrained and some would say uncomfortable. And so I think perhaps um, others may think that even though there's some good infrastructure and kind of bones in place for this particular site, they still can have some improvements to it. I think they may also think that this particular project um, even though it does have an auto-oriented <coughs> use, it also activates that corner and would provide some amenities for the transit users that they don't have on that particular site. They have some on the other side of Howe Avenue, but that's a little bit cumbersome to get to. Probably too many autos. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Commissioner Kaufman. Uh, Commissioner Lindsay? Oh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, I also had some questions about circulation patterns, which you partially answered. Um, Commissioner LaFosso's question about pedestrian, and my question to go a little bit further was for bicyclists. Um, if you do, you see the same pattern for bicyclists as pedestrians, and if if you could elaborate a little bit on the drive-through and how people would enter and exit and. The, oh good, my mouse is back over here. So our, our entry, our driveway entry at the north here is the main in and out for the, for the project. We, um, Teresa is, would not let us get this close to the intersection and we didn't want to. So we've, we're looking at this as our main sort of in and out. We've got another entry point down here. And I would see, you know, bikes the same route as the pedestrians. So as you come in, you've got the trash enclosure here. We've got some accessible parking here, parking along here, a row of parking, some parking up front. And then we've got uh, for bike parking, bike lockers, a couple of outdoor patio areas with some shade structures. So the, um, the entrance to the drive-through is here. You've got a turn up to the ordering point here, 
and then you would continue on to the drive-through window here. So for the drive-through, that point, what is the circulation to get to that point? You would be coming down right, from Bicentennial? Right. Yep, I'll, I'll go through it with my little hand here. You'd come in the center and right in the chute and then up and around and back out the same. Exit on Bicentennial, okay. One big loop. One big loop, okay. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Lindsay. Any further Commissioner questions? I had a question about Starbucks, but since it's <laughs> confidential, we'll never know. I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> um, any public comment on this item? Seeing none. Any commissioner motions, questions? Commissioner LaFalza? Um, thank you, Mr. Chair. First comment. Good job on that U-turn. I've used that intersection. That's important. Um, secondly, um, being an openly acknowledged non-fan of drive-throughs, I guess um, this is the kind of one that I struggle with because it is in an area that's still pretty vehicular yet in transition. And I really appreciate Commissioner Kaufman's question about RT. Um, I guess I don't eat RT, but yeah, I'd, it'd really help. Um, where I wanted to go was, so Ms. Hengi, there are the four things we require in the code for drive-throughs that are within a quarter mile of a light rail station, and I think you said there was another policy that was a little bit more general. Um, I guess I'm coming at this from the standpoint of, you know, grappling with these competing uses and not wanting to inhibit the evolution of places to be more pedestrian friendly as we seem to accommodate existing needs. You know, what what is our approach perhaps to requiring just a little bit more intensity on looking at the installment of auto-oriented uses in terms of facilitating more <clears throat> advancement in pedestrian connectivity along the lines of the challenged, you know, path you made reference earlier. I mean, I'm thinking of this as kind of enhanced nexus, kind of enhanced mitigation question. I mean, I, I'm being a little, uh, you know, high level here. I wanted to put that out there. But is that something the city's thought about? Mr. Heron, do you have a, a, a legal perspective on this since I put it in a nexus context? I wonder if you'd comment on this. Pedestrian improvements as, as mitigation for auto-oriented use near light rail station. I'm going to start just in terms of what our thought process is when we get a project uh, like this. And there's <coughs> always, uh, every project's a little different and brings something a little different. But we do look at, and even if there was not a drive-through facility in it, we do look at pedestrian connectivity, not only um, like in terms of how do you get there, how do you best optimize the existing infrastructure, but we also look at on-site on the, the, the 
easiest pathways, but also the safest pathways to the front door of that commercial. We also look at ways to encourage pedestrian use, such as um, have the outdoor seating, something more comfortable where there's um, shade structures or shade trees, and, and make it a very inviting place through design. I think that's very important in terms of the pedestrian, uh, attracting pedestrians and encouraging pedestrian use. We also make sure there's clear storefront windows so that there's, it feels safer, it's more permeable, there's kind of more interaction between the inside and outside. And the other thing we look at is just, in, though this is more for bicyclists, is making sure that they, of course, meet the minimum qualifications, but also provide additional. Like this one, and this one, because it does have an auto use, we wanted them to provide more short-term parking just to kind of counterbalance that. So that's what we look at in terms of just kind of really, again, high level. We're looking at projects. Okay, I mean, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I've been trying to offer up some more, ra rather than just, you know, vote no because I don't like it, which I don't like to do when it's, I'm not supposed to do that. Um, think about this problem more systematically. You know, I've offered up, I've offered up uh, air quality as, a, as an examination point. I've offered up uh, the public works analysis as a, uh, you know, demand measurement. I tried that a meeting two ago, and I found it was a model, and it wasn't database. It wasn't terribly useful. Um, just as an aside, when I raised the, the last time I raised the air quality issue, uh, the prior planning director was still here, and it was on a proposal that is less than a mile from this site. And the selling point nine months ago was there's not a drive-through for several miles. Well, that ain't going to be true anymore. Um, but without that little issue, um, um, your, your answer is sort of focused on the site itself. Would it be an attractive place to be if you were a pedestrian or cyclist? But the big issues are, would you go there by foot or by bicycle, which is much bigger than um, just the site itself. It's how you get to the site. That's, that's the issue I'm getting to. And, you know, that's a sensitive issue we deal all the time. The, you know, Walk Sacramento and Saba are always coming to this issue, and we're always, me personally, always telling them back, well, you know what, if it's not on the site, it's kind of outside our jurisdiction, and it's challenging us for, a, you know, challenging for us to do. I, I just thought in the, in the box of the transit-oriented use sensitivity in our policies and the <coughs> proximity to light rail stations, it was something to think about. I'm not proposing anything today. I'm just trying to engender a more robust discussion. On, and, and again, I, I decided to look at this in a mitigation sense. If I'm going to facilitate an auto-oriented use, what can I do to add value to the, to the migration of the general area toward a more pedestrian-friendly environment? Appreciate your thoughts. Um, if you want to make a comment, uh, sir, I, I didn't mean to exclude you from the discussion oh, at your leisure. The, um, and I, I understand what you're saying. I don't see the, the drive-through as, you know, excluding this property from being used by pedestrians. I think there's still, you know, there's a large population to the north and to the east that are certainly within walking distance. And if, we, if you took the drive-through out of this project, it wouldn't change the project. You know, you saw the restrictions we were working with. 
So basically we're talking about there's a drive-through lane, there's not a drive-through lane. The building's not going to change. So I think that the, you know, we've made an attractive pedestrian area in the front of the building. It's within walking distance of a fair number of people. I don't see the fact that there's a drive-through there that they're going to choose to drive or walk because there's a drive-through there from the neighborhoods to the north. You know, if the drive-through wasn't there, they could still drive their car down there and park it and go to the whatever it is that I can't say that it is. <laughs> So I think that we'll still get a fair amount of foot traffic. We've certainly at least got the ability there for that and an attractive amenity to encourage them to just walk and sit and use the, the patio area. That's my only thought. Did you? I appreciate your answer. Um, I, I appreciate your thoughts and uh, no disrespect to your project. I am using it as a vehicle in my <laughs> pursuit to raise the bar, which I'm serious about. But uh, right. again, thank you. Thank you, Ms. Hange. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Commissioner Kaufman. Thank you, Mr. Chair. I just want to follow up on Commissioner LaFosse's comments. I think the, an important place maybe to have this conversation is in the preparation of the new general plan. It should just be a laundry list of things, you know, what are the policies that we should have uh, around these sorts of issues around light rail stations? Because we're not going to solve it on this project. And I'm in the same place you are, to a certain extent, this is already massive vehicular traffic. We're not, we're not going to make this different and solve those policy problems on this project. But I am concerned about there being sort of cherry picking of projects um, and uh, uneven treatment uh, of projects <clears throat> around issues like this. And I'd like to see that changed. And I, I think that on a number of projects that we've talked about over the past several years, Commissioner LaFosso has tried to offer some policy structure uh, around mitigation and, and, and other kinds of, uh, of, uh, of, of structures for us to be able to deal with us. So, Maybe the best thing we can do is just put it off to a general plan conversation that we'll have next year. Thank you, Commissioner Kaufman. I, I concur. Um, any public comment on this item? Seeing none. Any commissioner motions? Commissioner Pluckybaum? I just want to thank, thank staff and the applicant for bringing forward the best project on a very difficult site uh, and move staff recommendation. Thank you. Thank you. We have a motion from Commissioner Pluckybaum, second from Vice Chair Lucian. Commissioner Bodipo Memba? Aye. LaFosso? Aye. Hoffman? Aye. Lindsay? Aye. Farrell? Aye. Pluckybaum? Aye. Juan Connolly? Aye. E. Aye. Vice Chair Lucian. Aye. Chair Burke. Aye. Motion passes. Thank you. We'll move right along to item number five, <coughs> amendment to the Greenbrier Development Agreement regarding timing and payment toward the Traffic Congestion Relief Fund. Any commissioners need to recuse himself, ex parte communications? Commissioner Bodipa member? Thank you, Chair Burke. I did have conversation with represent, representatives from the applicant uh, restricted to items in the staff report. Thank you. Commissioner Lindsay? 
Well, I too had conversations with representative of the applicant, um, council district one, and a staff, planning staff, on items contained in the staff report. Thank you. Commissioner LaFossa? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Also spoke to the applicant items in the staff report. Thank you. And I did the same. All right. Good evening, Chair Burke, members of the Commission. I'm Lucinda Wilcox with the City's Public Works Department. And uh, the item tonight is an amendment to the Greenbrier Development Agreement. It is an amendment to one condition concerning timing for payment of some traffic mitigation uh, funds. So as the Greenbrier Development Agreement, along with other land use entitlements, were approved by the Full City Council on May 30th of this year. Um, one of the mitigation measures um, required of this project was that the development was required to contribute to the Traffic Congestion Relief Fund um, before any building permits for the project were issued. The language in the development agreement required the developer to provide $1.4 million in a lump sum to the city um, by December 31st of this year. And of this total $1.4 million, $900,000 um, is intended to be used uh, to support Caltrans in a $7 million project that they have uh, planned for the spring to add auxiliary lanes on State Route 99, and the balance of the funding would be used for other uh, traffic congestion relief. Um, due to delays in getting some of their permits, the developer is not able to commence construction as soon as they had intended, and so they requested uh, if they could defer this payment. So we worked with Caltrans to establish an installment payment schedule that would work in connection with their project, and then the balance would be due before any building permits are issued. This amendment doesn't alter the project in any way um, or its requirements other than adjusting the timing, um, and it wouldn't really affect the, uh, the construction of timing of any of the improvements that will be funded with this. So we haven't had any um, contact for anyone that has any concerns with this. Uh, I believe the applicant's here, or his representative, if you have any other questions, um, but I'd be happy to answer questions as well. Ms. Wilcox, we have a couple of commissioner's questions. Uh, commissioner LaFazzo? Thank you, Ms. Just one. So in a nutshell, you've reoriented the fee in response to conditions and the city's interests are whole? Correct. Thank you. Fantastic. Same question I had, make sure the city's great. Um, seeing any, any public comment on this item? Seeing none, we'll go to Commissioner Commissioner Bodhi Pamemba. I'd like to move staff's recommendation. Thank, thank you, Commissioner Bodhi Pamemba. A uh, motion from Commissioner Bodhi Pamemba, a second from, from Commissioner LaFaso. Uh, we'll go to Commissioner Lindsay. I was going to second the motion. Or a third from Commissioner Lindsay. <laughs> I'll, defer, I'll defer to Commissioner Lindsay on the second. That's okay. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, we'll go with the roll call. Commissioner Yee. Juan Connolly? Aye. Bucky Bomb? Farrell? Aye. Lindsay? Aye. Kaufman? Aye. LaFosso? Aye. Bodipo Memba? Aye. Vice Chair Lucian? Aye. Chair Burke? Aye. Motion passes. Thank you. We'll move right into item number six uh, Leaders and Community Alternatives Correctional Facility P17 029. 
Any commissioners need to recuse themselves, ex parte conversations? I spoke with members of the community about this item, so I'll contain the staff report. I also met with representative of the GEO group. Mr. Hannibut. Thank you, Chair Burke and members of the commission. My name is Michael Hannibut with the Community Development Department. I'm here to present the staff recommendation for the establishment of a correctional facility within an existing building at 1103 North B Street. The applicant is proposing to lease one tenant space within a 37,000 square foot building for a parolee day reporting center. The proposed program would have up to 30 program participants at any given time. The staff does not support the CUP request given the location selected. The scope of our review tonight is limited to the 1103 North B Street location only. The proposed site is located in the Dos Rios area of the larger River District specific plan. You can see here. And the Dos Rios uh, area is here with the star indicating the project location. And this location is at an entry point to the city located at North 12th Street, Dos Rios, and North B Streets. The Dos Rios area is of the River District is an area with a mixture of industrial and commercial uses, but also includes the Twin Rivers residential community just to the north. The Dos Rios area is envisioned to transform in the, into a walkable urban neighborhood in the future as a northern gateway into the central city and the rail yards. As shown on this map, the establishment of a correctional facility at the 1103 North B Street site would occupy a commercial tenant space on a prominent corner within the aforementioned Dos Rios area, which is walkable from one of the largest residential projects within the River District area, uh, the Twin Rivers Housing, right up here. Primary operating characteristic of the correctional facility is that the land use is limited to a service of, small, of a small group of individuals and not the general public. Therefore, it does not add any neighborhood serving amenities which are necessary to complete the vision of the River District specific plan. This figure shows recently approved or under construction projects which are nearby the proposed site. So up here is the Twin Rivers um, community and is approved by the, this commission earlier this summer. The MLS stadium is down here, approved with the rail yards, and currently there is site grading occurring at that location. The larger rail yard specific plan area is also um, adjacent and further to the west. The Pint Works and Pipe Works uh, property is located here. Um, they are currently in for plan review. A new fire station is also on North B Street, located here at 14th and Ahern. Um, that is proposed to start construction in the next few months as well. And the North 12th Street bikeway corridor um, running along North 12th Street and under the uh, rail line here will provide a new class four um, bikeway into the central city. All of these projects are seen as catalytic Catholic in their own right and are moving forward, which will help to implement the goals and policies of the River District specific plan. The staff has found that the establishment of a correctional facility at the 1103 North B Street 
site would not be consistent with the goals and policies in the general plan, river district specific plan, and the river district special planning district. And therefore, staff recommends denial of the requested CUP. Staff is available for any questions as well. Thank you, Mr. Hanover. Any commissioner questions for staff? Seeing none, any public comment on this item? Oh, sorry, the applicant. Sorry, that, sorry, sir. Forgive me that the applicant will, will give a brief presentation and public comment next. Good evening. I'm Diane Harrington. I'm the executive director of LCA, and with me is Kent Borowick. He's our chief operating officer. We just have a couple of points that we'd like to make to make sure that the commission is aware of. Um, there's no change in use for the existing facility. The California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation operated an extremely similar program there for over 20 years in the exact same space that we're intending to lease. That program closed in March of this year. Um, uh, we believe that um, because studies have shown that crime and recidivism is significantly reduced when formerly incarcerated individuals receive needed services, that this is a public service program. We don't believe that it's a nuisance program. People that come to this center would be working and spending time with their families and be engaged in positive, productive activities. They would come to the center, receive their services, and then leave. It's not a loitering-type program. It's not a program where people want to hang around. It's very similar to a counseling center. LCA as a company does not have the resources to continue to site shop. Uh, this is the second location that we've been very close to pursuing a CUP on. The first location, um, the owner of the property was resistant to waiting for the extensive CUP process, and he ended up renting the space to a marijuana dispensary. Um, these services are for people that are already in this community. They either live in the city or the county of Sacramento. The participants need the resources in order to be successful when they discharge from a correctional institution. The program uses federal funds at no cost to the city or the state. The impact from this use on this building and this community really is minimal. The program is limited to a very small number of participants, and they do not all attend at the same time. This use is very consistent with the surrounding tenants and the existing usage today. We ask the board to please approve the conditional use permit. Thank you. So I am, uh, my name is Gil Caravantes. I own Commerce Printing. We've been in that area for 29 years. So you see the building right there. Uh, I don't know how to move this, but we occupy about 70,000 square feet, 50 employees full-time. And, uh, you know, I went around our neighbors when I hear that uh, the um, staff has denied the, the proposed uh, facility. The building is 37,000 square feet, and they occupy 3,500 square feet. So it's a minimal space that they occupy on the whole thing. When I talked to the city council, Jeff Harris, he mentioned that uh, you know, there was a report a few days ago, and the report showed the whole building as a correctional facility. And really, LCA is actually a service, not a correctional facility. 
on the previous uh, facility that was used by the Department of Corrections, actually the parole officers were there with the guns and everything else, and their people used to wait for the parole to come in. Most of the time, these people are going to be by appointment, driving from work or from their homes, and, you know, in and out, you probably will not even notice them as, as much as they were before. And so I went to my neighbors, you know, 15 different businesses, and all will welcome anybody to move into that location just because it prevents the homeless to be camping in the, in the sidewalk and on, on the, on the, uh, under the canopy there. So um, 29 years, I see the transformation. I see that, you know, what uh, the community and the district needs. I have been very supportive to the River City District. Uh, we did a presentation with them. And even though there were some people that were uh, sent a letter to the to the commission to you know against it, I actually tried to reach out to them. One of them was uh, General Protus, correct? And I went to his building. I couldn't get to his building. He got barbed wire on the top of it. I tried to explain him to see exactly what the center was and how we are making the area better. You know, I, I don't see barbed wire fences or large fences by any chance is, is what we need in the district. You know, we need business to move in and bring employees and, you know, bring people to actually bring the revenue to the city. Thank you. Thank you. We have a couple of commissioner questions. Uh, Vice Chair Lucian. Hi. Um, thank you for coming and, and bringing your presentation. Uh, I wanted to ask if you could talk, uh, just speak a little bit about um, uh, your business model and, and your operations. How long have you been operating? Uh, what's your history of operations? Are, I understand you're based out of Oakland, but um, do, you off, do you operate other facilities in and around the greater Sacramento area? Just kind of give us a sense of, of your experience. Uh, bidding on these projects and operating these types of facilities. Sure. So um, LCA, we just celebrated our 26-year anniversary. Our main office is in Oakland. Um, we have programs all over the state of California. We're as far south as Riverside County, and then Sacramento is our northernmost um, area that we provide services in. We've uh, operated the day reporting center at 1215 Del Paso for the past four and a half years. Um, that's for the county probation department. Uh, there we have a daily rate, uh, client number of 125 individuals coming in and out of the program for services. Um, we ran the largest day reporting center in San Francisco for five years, the CAST program. We run juvenile day reporting centers and we have some electronic monitoring programs. We responded to this Bureau of Prisons uh, request for proposal that came out about three years ago because it was a day reporting center. It was something that we're very comfortable with and very familiar with and we have experience with. So this has been about a three-year process. Um, we did, as I mentioned, we did um, consider other locations. This location is affordable. The space is really exactly what we need. The owner was willing to carve us out a small section in the middle of the building. Um, we thought it was an ideal location for individuals to access that would be coming in for services. Did I answer all your questions? Uh, you're, you, it's a good start. Um, I, I'll, I'll ask a couple of follow-up. Um, where do you envision your, uh, I guess I'll call them clientele, um, for what, what, how far, what is the range that you envision them coming from? 
the range in terms of where they live, mm -hmm. um, City of Sacramento and County of Sacramento. Okay. And currently those individuals, these are federal, federal probationers and parolees, currently they receive the services in other cities. Okay. Um, understood. They drive as far actually as Oakland, not our program, but there is a program in Oakland that uh, federal individuals go for services who actually live in Sacramento because there isn't anything local. Probationers um, have committed what range of crimes? It's um, federal offenses. So it can be anything from um, tax evasion, um, racketeering, embezzlement, counterfeiting, um, use of a telephone of an inter or the internet to commit a crime. There's a very wide range. These are individuals referred to the program to serve the end of their sentences and to receive services in the community to get them prepared to reside in the community and ideally not. Based on the, exa crimes. Based on the examples that you're giving, uh, am I correct to assume that uh, none of these uh, clientele um, have committed any violent crimes that are reporting to uh, that would be reporting uh, per this contract that you're seeking to procure? Uh, no, there are violent crimes that are considered federal offenses. Okay. For instance, bank <clears throat> robbery, that's a federal offense. Good. It doesn't mean that people who rob banks would be referred to this program. They have a pretty rigorous screening for who they allow out of the institutions early, but bank robbery is a federal offense, and that is a fairly violent offense. Thank you. Are there any complaints on record uh, regarding, do you still operate the Del Paso facility? Almost five years. Okay. Um, how long, may I ask, does that contract extend, you said, with the county? It's a five-year contract. Um, we're on uh, our first additional year. It's a five-year contract. We're on an additional one-year option. It goes out for bid in 2018. Okay. And they actually operate three in the city. Ours is one of three, uh, okay. the uh, county probation department. Is that the only day reporting center that you operate in the, sacri the entire county? Yes. <clears throat> okay. Um, the one that you currently operate on Del Paso, have there been any complaints that you have received about the facility uh, that the owner uh, of the grounds or has received about the facility? No. We're actually very involved in the Del Paso partnership. The participants in our program provide community service hours to the Del Paso partnership. The landlord actually offered us space in his building if we wanted to expand our, our program there. We've never called the police department to come assist with any issues that we've had there. These are really people, honestly, who come and get the service and leave. They're not there to hang out. Staff, can you corroborate this? I did go and look up the address in our um, database just to see if there were any zoning investigator complaints, and I did not find any. Um, I think that's all the questions I have for now. Thank you, Vice Chair Lucian. Commissioner LaFossa. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Ms. Harrington, Mr. Cervantes. I guess a couple more questions along the same vein. Um, Sorry. I didn't, uh, I think it was Mr. Cervantes who underscored the, what, what, how, much, how, much, how much square footage are you, how, how much square footage are you leasing to the, the LCA? L to LCA. 3,500 square feet, uh, 37,000. I'm sorry, the building's 37,000 square 30, feet? 37,000 is the building at the corner. 
One more time, a little more slowly. The building is 37,000 square feet, and, I, and they're going to leave 3,500. Okay, that's what I thought you said. And then I think we got confused because I own the, the other property across with Commerce Printing, which is that, – That's okay. Yeah. What, what's the frontage on the street of the 3,500? Is it, is, it, is, it is it a small frontage of the – you said of it was the in the middle. 3,500, which is uh, B Street, is about uh, 100 square feet there and then 100 on, on the Rio, too. Okay, I'm trying to ask the linear – I'm trying to imagine the, the face of, your, of the facility on the street. How much? 100. How many linear feet? A hundred. hundred feet? Yeah. So it's – okay. Um, so their frontage is probably about, uh, you know, 20, uh, 30 feet in the that's front. That's what I'm trying yeah. to ask. Okay. Yeah, I'm, did you say it was in the middle or on the corner? It's in the middle. Okay. Um, one of the issues that staff focuses on with its recommendation is the idea that this – 12th and 16 area is kind of a gateway to this emerging area. Um, you as a property owner on this corner, I'm just sort of wondering what your long-term thoughts are about your property as you got 12th Street changing. It's still an odd, you know, three-way intersection. It's hard to drive at that intersection, much less walk. You know, we do have a big new soccer stadium we all hope is going to be built in here, but we also got a junkyard between your property and that soccer stadium. Right. What's your long-term vision for your property? Well, I saw the vision that they're going to do the bike uh, trail there, that's going to, and then they actually, uh, I think they're going to close part of those, those rios coming into that intersection to be able to have a more pedestrian friendly, which, you know, I agree completely. I offer... There's a gas station in the corner. I offered the owner to come and clean it every two weeks. I have a full staff of, you know, two people that go around and make sure that all the properties are clean to try to, you know, because he has uh, some uh, temporary fencing around it, but people just keep on throwing trash. So we want to make sure that, you know, yeah, it's a, a bike-friendly and walk-friendly. Appreciate that. Do I understand that it's your hope in the future to keep this building? Oh, yes. Okay. Um, Ms. Harrington, um, how many, the last time we had clients, whatever's the right word, how many, how many partic participants, I think is the word, how many participants come through your, would come through this day reporting office on a given day, say, for example? Um, 10 to 12. And how long do they stay, roughly? Um, our classes run up to two hours, and one-on-one -on -one individual counseling sessions are about 45 minutes. Oh, I see. So 10 to 12 people might come at roughly the same time for a class. Class. And then leave, and they may meet with their counselor before or after. They may not. How many employees do you anticipate? Uh, it's actually kind of funny because the um, requirement of the contract is that we have eight staff. Okay. And our Del Paso program, with 150 individuals coming and going throughout the program, we have about 40 individuals a day that come through. Um, we only have nine staff there. Got it. So it's a very heavy staff number. Appreciate that. Um, we've uh, we've learned a little bit about the program from the federal side because we had another right. issue like this in another context. How long is the you, – you, you're one of – you're a bidder for this federal contract. How, how, what's the duration of the contract? Um, they generally go for five years, and then there's one or two extension years. Um, I'm actually from the East Coast, and the agency I worked for was a very large nonprofit. And we had a federal contract for 52 years. 
It was, a, it was actually a federal halfway house where the people resided. So it could go very long term. It could be five years and up. It's a pilot program for the Bureau of Prisons. They're doing three in the country. And Sacramento happened to be one of the three communities that they wanted to see one open in. Got it. Um, so with a pilot, you don't know, but it's a five-year contract. Okay. I appreciate that it's a pilot and there's grayness in your answer. Do you envision your activity on the site increasing over the life of the contract? There was this suggestion that Mr. Cervantes might rent you more space if you needed it. Do you really anticipate that happening? Well, the space that, to be honest with you, the space that we're renting is actually larger than what we wanted. We were looking for around 2,500 square feet. It's pretty big for, for okay. what we need. But the way that the building is set up and the way that we needed to carve the space out to have adequate restrooms, we wound up with the, the 3,000 feet, the 3,000 square feet. Got it. So no, and I don't, you know, I, I, if we do a great job, they may want us to increase numbers at some point after the five years, but it, it's 30 people for five years at any Got given it. time. Appreciate that. You did allude to the potential for continuing on, and again, we don't know. Th we don't know every answer. <laughs> so apropos to the pilot, just to just to return to your answer to one of Vice Chair Lucian's questions when you mentioned the the bank robbery, I think the focus is. Who are the participants that are the target population of this pilot? Not 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 the rain, not the scope of federal crimes. The scope of participants. They are individuals that are determined to need supportive services when they discharge from the correctional institutions. Might any of them have a violent crime history? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Appreciate that. Um, last question for you. Then a couple questions for staff. Is L LCA? Is it LCA? Is LCA a for-profit or a non-profit? We are a for-profit. Got it. Appreciate it. A um, couple questions for staff. Um, Mr. Hannibal, the staff report makes a big focus on the tinted glass. Is it staff's view that – is there a compatible use in staff's view in, with regard to all of the aspirational pedestrian uses that you pointed to in your report? that can be accommodated in this tinted glass building? I think briefly in the oral presentation I gave, uh, made mention of the limited uh, availability of this space and use with the CUP and, and not providing a neighborhood serving commercial use that was envisioned and is envisioned with the uh, specific plan. I think I understood your answer, and I think it was not responsive to my question. The, the, the physical space is the tinted glass, and that is emphasized in at least two of the findings proposed in our staff report. How pivotal is tinted glass to the staff recommendation, and are there compatible uses in tinted glass that staff can point to that would be compatible? <coughs> I'm trying to think of compatible uses that would have tinted glass, uh, usually land uses like, you know, warehouses and um, th those type of uses where you don't really have a lot of transparency. Um, but, you know, with this particular use, I could understand from a security reason why they may want to have the tinted glass. But again, when it goes to the neighborhood serving uses, being open to the public, trying to, uh, you know, have that face to the street, uh, I don't really see that it is compatible. So our concern is if a use uh, locates there, 
where its operating characteristics really would uh, want to have the tinted glass, that it's not going to be changed anytime in the near future. So I think that was one of our points. It's, I think it's a more minor point to our overall you know, argument of location, but it was just something I wanted to include because it is a design guideline. Just not to belabor the tinted glass, but do I guess I'm under the impression that the entire uh, facade along uh, 12th Street is tinted glass. Maybe that's because of its history as the CDCR facility. Um, am I to understand that because this is a day reporting facility, one of the design criteria for the applicant is that it be tinted glass, and that means that another use in this building that's not a day reporting facility or a state corrections facility might result in a different kind of design facing the street, different kind of glass, more openness. Truly trying to understand what the alternative is. If they were to construct a new building on the side or if they were doing a major enhancement, we would not want to have that particular glass in the building. We would ask that it be more transparent. If they have new uses located in there, we don't have a policy to make people do exterior improvements if it's not a part of their scope. So if they come forward and they just want to do interior tenant improvements, we may encourage them or ask them to make exterior improvements, but there's no requirement necessarily for that. So I don't know if that's kind of where you're going with your questioning. Um, you know, the day reporting center, as a part of their application, they didn't request to do exterior modifications. They may be happy with the glass. Um, and again, if we're not processing a site plan and design review because they're rehabbing the building or something, um, there may not be a condition that they have to change out the glass, but I'm just saying that when you're looking at the design guidelines and we're trying to show you the vision for the area and what we have planned, that it's inconsistent. Um, okay. I'm, uh, I'm pulling my answer out of, you, out of what you said. So the only ability of the city to require changing the glass would be if there was a degree of rehabilitation that triggered site plan and design review. And you could envision lots of potential uses that would not pull that trigger. Is that how I understand what you're saying? That's correct. So if, the, if they're not proposing exterior modifications, we're not necessarily conditioning them that they have to remove this particular glass. But certainly there are a lot of other land uses that could go in there by right or even with conditional use permits where I could see that that would be something that they would come forward with as a part of a site plan and design review application. Come forward with changing the glass? For exterior modifications. If it was a different type of user that was going in the building, I would anticipate that we would see those type of exterior modifications as a part of that proposal. Okay. Um, just on this sort of issue of 12th Street as gateway. Um, you know, this is the first project we've had where we're kind of focusing on a really site-specific connectivity with the rail yards development from the River District side. Um, I'm still struggling with the two-story junk pile I see when I ride my bike down 12th Street today. Walk me through being a pedestrian at a pedestrian serving use hypothetically in the future in this building and help me envisioning the improvements walk to the MLS stadium. Sure. So as a part of the requirements for opening up the soccer stadium, we are anticipating a punch through of the North 10th Street. You have um, the magic arrow. Michael could go and grab it for me. 
um, and just show them the North 10th Street uh, location through. Perfect, thank you. I am looking for the arrow. I don't see it on my screen. Yeah. But the, the Sims Meadow, which is just basically to the, um, the west of the 6th, right. So that would be North 10th Street, which would go through the, the, the Sims Metal site. It's a non-conforming uh, metal recycler. It's a part of the River District specific plan. It was rezoned to C2. Um, so I, I know that there is nothing formal on the table, although I have heard that there are discussions with Sims Metal about possible relocation, you know, should that street be connected through, and, and we do have our um, soccer stadium. And so that would open up that site for uh, redevelopment. But certainly having North 10th Street um, go through that particular site, there is um, that, that access point as well as North uh, 12th Street going in a southerly direction. Um, so those are two major gateways into both the central city but also into the, the rail yards. And I think those are the two nearest intersections. Um, it was when we were struggling over the pointer that you mentioned the punch through. Can you can you remind me of, of where the punch through is again, P potentially proposed or in the future, whatever's the right word? Yes, Michael can show that with North North Tenth. Okay, I get it. Yes, and I uh, stand corrected. It's biking down North Tenth, not North Twelfth, that I see the junk pile. Um, okay. Um, I, I guess my final question comes a little bit of a preface. Um, again, the proposed findings use lots of language that we see frequently, like balanced communities. And in my experience with that language, balanced communities, when we have a use, which often accompanies a conditional use permit, where it is desirable to some people but undesirable to other people, that the balanced community's balance often leans in favor of the subset of the population for whom the service is desirable, not necessarily the other subset of the population for whom the um, population might find undesirable. So with this orientation around finding it, finding the, the, the focus on balance, not on the population of individuals who would find this um, desirable, um, Draw me a picture of where in the city uh, we would have a different balance where we might consider the desirability of that site in favor of the population for whom this is desirable under the guise of balanced communities as I've seen it uh, analyzed in other staff reports. And again, with the conditional use permit, we would look at each site for specific criteria. It's all on a case-by-case -case basis. But just off the top of my head, I would think that, you know, a business park type setting, um, you know, certainly more of a commercial street, something near a freeway access point, possibly near, you know, a bus line or, or transit would, would be more appropriate. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Commissioner LaFosso. Commissioner Wong Conley. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Could you please comment on do you, uh, why you prefer the tinted glasses? Can I show you the picture of the property? 
Um, I've uh, seen it before. Uh, uh, this afternoon, I visited the site okay, this afternoon. It but uh, regardless, it you actually can... has a tinted glass and has blinds. Uh-huh. Okay. So you actually don't see anything. But based on your the program that you are running, thank you. Uh, and I have a question for you later. Uh, based on what I understand about the program, is it uh, w is that it really help you the security feature that uh, you make sure the building is not seen, the participant is not seen for security purposes? Yes. No. No. We don't have a. I don't think we have another program that we operate that has tinted windows or tinted glass. It's just that that comes with the building that's available to us that we can afford. So it's not our preference to have tinted glass. We I actually see. like our space to be bright and airy and feel good and feel comfortable. And that's what I understand. Being a con uh, doing counseling, you would uh, rather have uh, more uh, light instead of having. So in other facility that you have, you do not particular have this tinted glasses. I think that our Del Paso Boulevard location, I think the two windows in the front, we have two of them that are very large. I think they're slightly tinted for glare. Um, well, it's not our preference. We don't look for that. The, 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 the issue of the tinted glass is really one of that's the existing condition of the building. And, you know, there was no reason to change it out from our point of view, but there's also no reason to keep it if that's uh, a concern of the commission. We, we really don't have a preference either way. Um, we're just trying to take existing existing space and make it work for what uh, we we need. Okay. Is the facility controlled access? Or do you? It's not a controlled access that uh, actually people can go in and out. Yes. With okay. And then, um, do you have any complaints for you? Your company has operated for twenty years. In twenty six years. Twenty six years. Mm -hmm. Has any of your participant be complained about uh, anything by the neighbors and uh, for the past 26 years? Um, we run a juvenile program in Vallejo that's actually on a school property, like a, a magnet school property. And we had a um, juvenile, an adolescent, 15-year-old, um, throw some rocks into a neighbor's window. And we had a police complaint there. For the past 26 years, yes. that's the only one incident. Yes, yes. I don't know of, I don't know of any. We no. have we have more things happen to us, like our vans get vandalized because of the parking lots they're in. Um, the people coming in and out of the program may have their car broken into. You know, the clients, the participants. I don't. We don't. It's not really that kind of a program. Um, the people that are coming there see us as help, assistance. Um, but there's not this anger and animosity towards our staff, there's really no reason for there to be any issues. Okay, um, that being said, I still want to ask a question for the gentlemen who uh, are very familiar with the area. So the Twin River um, housing uh, developed in that area that this commission has recently approved. Uh, where are the students uh, walk to school? What's their path? Uh, to, to school the kids who live in that. Uh, Actually, the school is on the other side of Richard Boulevard. Could you please the, use the, the map, is, the future oh. nearby projects? That's a good map, so uh, for, uh, it will be yeah. easier for us to visualize. So that's the Twin River yeah, District. There's, there's no school on the nearby here. The school is actually on this side of the Richard Boulevard area. The only, and the path that they have is probably through the light rail 
and I haven't seen any children going to the library to take a school bus there or to take the library to go. Oh, where is the light rail? I'm sorry, on this the light map. Light rail is on this side. The stop is on this side of the of the railroad track. By okay. north, uh, by D D Street. Okay, and then obviously the kids was going. Uh, they were. Your, your point is they are not going to the light rail from here to the. Correct. Okay, understand now. Thank you. That's my question. Thanks, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Commissioner Wong Conley, uh, Mr. City Attorney. Yes, Chair, pardon the interruption. I wonder, for purposes of the record, we could ask the gentleman who spoke a moment ago in response to Commissioner Wong Connolly's questions to state his name for the record. Not the property owner, but the other gentleman. That'd be great. I'm sorry, my name is Kent Borowick. I'm Chief Operating Officer and Chief Financial Officer for um, LCA. Thank you. We have another question from Commissioner, uh, Commissioner Lucian. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, <clears throat> As I was going through the staff report, and I'm trying to get exactly to the point where I was at, um, I think I had a couple of questions uh, similar to those raised by Commissioner LaFaso, uh, especially concerning some of the uh, general plan policies. Uh, and I'll start with the very last comment that, that was made. Um, when you were thinking locating um, or approving a set of services to be offered in the city, what area would best sort of fit that mold? You mentioned business park, you mentioned um, near transit, major bus lines, freeway. And it, it seemed that as you were mentioning it, two out of three of those criteria um, seem like they fit. It's obviously near the 160, which connects to the 99 business 80. I've uh, been in Sacramento a little while, but that whole uh, uh, transition still confuses me. Um, and uh, 16th Street, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that, that seems like one of the um, busier uh, one of the main streets sort of in the downtown core. So can, can, you, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Uh, how, how, how does the 160 being a, a few blocks away and its proximity to 16th Street, how does that not qualify? When I'm talking about um, those corridors and transit, I mean, obviously the entire central city you know, has a lot of light rail stops. We have a lot of bus service. We have, you know, a lot of main streets that maybe would make it attractive. But in my comments, when I mentioned about business park, I mentioned more commercial area. You have to look at the policies for this particular specific plan and special planning district where we're trying to go and create a residential neighborhood and really to try to build on those to go and create neighborhood serving uses for a residential community. So I think if they were looking for other sites, I know based on the operating characteristics that they're going to have people coming from outside of the area. So that's why I think being close to, um, you know, a freeway or uh, near transit is important just because of the people that will be visiting their business. But I think one of the more important things would be to be 
in an area that's more commercial and um, also possibly, uh, and most importantly, I would say, not in an area where we have a specific plan or special planning district which has policies that conflict with, with their proposed use. Okay, so let me, let me, let me go back um, to one of the things that you, that you mentioned. Um, you mentioned specific plans and, and policies, so uh, let's just go through a couple of them very quickly. Um, your policy LU 2.1.3, um, well-structured neighborhoods, um, physical layout, land use mix promotes walking. Um, in the comments you have below, you say the, the main residential areas for Township 9, proposed correctional facility is located within walking distance to Twin Rivers, limited real estate um, within this area to provide necessary neighborhood serving uses for a complete neighborhood, grocery store, pharmacy, restaurant, coffee shop, others. Establishment of the correctional facility would occupy commercial tenant space on a prominent corner. Um, primary operating characteristic is that the land use is limited to a small group of people, doesn't serve the general public. All right, so even with that condition, I, what I'm extracting is most important, the most important takeaway is that um, you're saying that um, this use at this site um, will inhibit the development of neighborhood serving uses for a complete neighborhood, grocery store, pharmacy, restaurant, this, that, and the other. Um, grocery store probably would not go into a 3,700 square foot spot. So let's 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 take that one off of the off of the uh, the, the ticket there. Um, pharmacy restaurant. There are very few independent pharmacies that are located that would probably utilize that space. We'll take that off. So maybe we're talking about restaurants, coffee shops, and other um, neighborhood serving commercial services. Because the location is part of a larger 35,000 square foot, 37,000 square foot building, um, I, I'm, I'm struggling to see how this this condition is depriving this this area of neighborhood serving uses particularly when you you look at the neighborhood and I guess maybe this is a better question to start off with um, the zoning in the surrounding area um, how much of that or where are the prominent places other than um, when we just recently approved the Dos Rios project that um, our neighborhoods, because I'm 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 looking at the map and and the staff report alludes to it being an in, a formal or an industrial area. I, I don't see much in the way of residential, too many opportunities for residential development in the area. But I'm not as familiar with the zoning. Can you elaborate on that? The River District Special Planning District back in 2011 when it was passed. We modified and allowed for uses in the C4 zone, which is typically heavy commercial, mm -hmm. to try to go and create and build on that residential neighborhood. We had a series of um, zoning workshops with property owners 
who had you know heavy commercial type uses that were concerned that they would become non-conforming uses and their buildings weren't easily you know able to be adapted without mm -hmm. spending a lot of money so they wanted flexibility in the zoning but obviously we wanted to build on that residential neighborhood so when we did the special planning district for the river district we allowed a lot of general commercial type uses and residential which was not something that was allowed under the base zoning code because we knew that this it's going to transform it's not going to happen overnight um, but certainly we wanted to go and put down um, and make sure that all the the tools and the, the base zoning was there to to allow that um, and then back to the other comment about the actual building itself I know that this is a, a smaller tenant space within the overall building but I think it's important to note that you know they are going to be um, having a lease and a contract with a property owner and so anytime that you are taking space within the building um, there might be other users coming forward um, that may want uh, you know the entire building or um, uh, and there are other uses that might locate there but then there would be other secondary uses that would want to locate near them and so anytime that you're taking up space within the building it just it limits options when you have like a, a, a use like this it is something that requires a conditional use permit so it's not like this is a by right use where they could locate in the building they might be there for a couple of years but you know if other opportunities come along the property owner could take advantage of those and it would be easy for them to move to another site they're gonna to have to go through another public hearing process so there is incentive once it is established to want to stay established and you know they are providing an important use and we would want them to be successful um, in the location that you know that they are located um, and so we would anticipate that there would be you know requests in the future for even expansion of the use and whatnot so I think from best practices um, we would want them to locate in uh, in a location that not only is appropriate for a smaller uh, sub uh, you know tenant space but that they could also grow into and it would still be appropriate okay. um, since 2011 um notwithstanding the Dos Rios project that we recently heard. Um, how many projects have either been approved or are in the pipeline to be approved that involve residential development in that um, seven block or so radius? We have had some pre-application meetings for a site at 701 Dos Rios on um, several occasions um, they're looking for uh, quite high uh, density um, apartments or possibly condos so that's just one example of one that we've had within the uh, Dos Rios area that is on the the north side of Richards Boulevard all right so no, we haven't had too many there um, remote community design that produces a distinctive high-quality built environment whose forms and character reflect Sacramento's unique historic environmental and architectural context create memorable places that enrich community life um, I would probably propose that 90 percent of what we do probably does not fit that goal um, you're suggesting that um, this use is not consistent with that goal what type of use within an existing building would be consistent with that goal of creating a memorable place 
Well, again, according to the specific plan, we're looking for neighborhood-serving uses, things that would activate the street. I would imagine things like a restaurant with a cafe outside, that obviously is activating the that's street. That's not what that goal says. That, that's, the, that's the previous goal. I'm talking about this goal. The point 4.3. The enhanced gateway. So the North 12th Street is a very prominent um, street going into, like I said, the, the rail yards and also into the central city. That particular site um, in the River District allows up to, you know, 75 foot in height. It allows up to 60 dwelling units per net acre. So there's a lot of possibilities for how that um, corner parcel could be developed. Um, I know it's just a one-story commercial building right now, and you may look at it and say it's just across the street from a metal recycler. But again, when you look at some of the projects that have been approved and are moving forward, um, I think it's important to look at those goals and policies because it, it's not just things that are written down on paper that are not happening. We're actually seeing action, and we're seeing people come forward with projects that are consistent with those plans. And so I think that this building has a lot of potential given its very prominent location on the corner and its development standards. Understood. So even hypothetically speaking, with projects coming forward and all of this um, uh, let's just say energy that may be looming, you know, right around the corner. Um, I, I still don't think that that speaks to distinctive and memorable places. And I'm, I'm wondering um, whether a conditional use permit of this sort, maybe it does, um, hinders that. Because if you have that type of development, you either have the existing owner or you have another owner who comes in with a vision um, consistent with the specific plan and that might mean that the applicant's lease is up because they're going to take the building up and they're going to add um, a series of, of uh, uh, amenities. Um, I, I guess what I'm trying to say here, within the context of the broader building, um, you, I think you'd be hard-pressed to meet that goal. Um, that's just my opinion, but given that this is one space within the building, I, I think you have challenges with that. Uh, I'm not going to go through all of these, but I will go through the next one. Promote sustainable development and land use practices um, in both new development, reuse, and reinvestment that provide for transformation of the city into a sustainable urban city while preserving choices for future generations. Uh, point three of that is promoting a range of strategies to, to revitalize uh, distressed and underutilized or transitioning areas, including targeted public investments. Um, and there's some other things. Um, I guess my question is this. When you think about stressed, underutilized, but more specifically transitioning, what in your mind, what criteria fulfill um, the impression that you have that the area is transitioning? 
I think just looking at the map and understanding what projects have been approved and what's moving forward as Michael in his presentation, I think that there's no question that this area is in transition. It's based on projects submitted or? Right. Would, would, would that also include, would you also consider the area transitioning even before the projects were submitted, um, the specific plan mm -hmm. that was developed around um, this area in the River District plan. All right. Um, those are all the questions I think I have for now. Thank you so much, Vice Chair Lucian. Commissioner LaFalsa? I'll be brief, Mr. Chair. I'm wondering if, uh, for the record, if we can have that photograph from Mr. Cervantes' cell phone that he showed Commissioner Juan Connolly. I wonder if you could show him how to uh, put it on the view screen, not revisit the commentary, just show it for the record. Fantastic, yep. Um, I thought the view screen could, that's, that's, that's it. Mr. Cervantes, if you'd raise it up just a little bit to get it in the center of the screen, that might help. Okay. I don't want to belabor the issue. Thank you for your indulgence, sir, and Mr. Chair. Just one quick comment. Um, at the beginning of her presentation, Ms. Harrington made a comment about losing another tenant space because that the, the, the property owner thought it was less onerous to site a cannabis dispensary there. I don't want to get into the backstory on that one, but I think staff should take a look at that. That's my only comment. Thank you. Thank you so much, Commissioner Lafasa. Um I have one quick uh, question comment. Um, I, don't, I might have missed this in the staff report, but why did C CDCR, their lease expired, why didn't they renew for another five or whatever term? Is that, do we know that or? Um, I'm not sure the uh, state, uh, it's also important to note that they didn't require any conditional use permits. They didn't go through our process. So we don't have any conditions or any reports related to that. Fantastic. Sure, ma'am. You'd like me to tell you why? I met with them because they were doing their final walkthrough when they were moving out in March when I was going through um, with our realtor to see the space. And they shared with me that they took the one location because they had so many people coming in and out of there and they broke it down into three different locations across the city. So they were renting smaller space in three different locations. Okay, Th thank you so much out of curiosity. Th thank you everyone. Um, sorry, Commissioner Wong Conley. Uh, thank you, Ms. Chair, very brief. So I understand you have a facility in Del Paso Boulevard operating quite successfully with uh, 125 participants in that program. So you, now what triggered you to, ex to find another location and only accommodate 30? Wouldn't that be a lot cheaper to expand uh, that location? No, that location is funded by the um, County Adult Probation Department. Okay. So it's a That's different That's contract is with, and they hold the lease to that building, to the space that we're in. And this is a federal contract you're, you're going after. That's yes. why it required to se a separate facility. Correct. Okay, I understand. And then a question for the staff, uh, please. Thank you. Um, so the CUP, it uh, goes with the property. Um, does that restrict them to only 3,500 square feet uh, leasing space that they are currently applying for? Um, or it's a... Uh, 
if they decided to occupy the entire building, if this, um, would they need to go back to revise the CUP or they automatically have the right to expand? For conditional use permits, if we were recommending approval, we would place conditions on the project to limit the square footage in the building or the number of participants. If they wanted to expand the program, they would have to come back um, and ask for a modification to that and go through another process. But the land use itself, if, if it's approved through a CUP, it is established, so it is allowed, but we would put parameters on it. Okay, only within that space. That's allowed by that, that's that would be a typical condition understood thank you thank you mr chair thank you commissioner Wong Conley. commissioner Kaufman thank you mr chair mr Compton this is kind of an awkward question but this area I, I agree with you it is in the path of development there's stuff that's big in the river district and there's things that are going to happen if you had to guess would you say this is in the next year, the next two years, the next five years, the next 10 years? And we're looking at projects that are probably 20 and 25 years to, for total build out. Well, you know, back in 2011 when the plan was passed and we all looked at the policies and we thought, you know, this is probably like a 30 year plan. But then with all the excitement of everything that happened in the rail yards and then knowing what's happening at Twin Rivers, um, and then we're crossing our fingers and hoping for an announcement for the soccer stadium. I think you'd be very surprised to see how fast that um, transformation can occur. Um, I think, uh, you know, with the soccer stadium, with the punch through of North 10th, with the redevelopment of those first phases of Twin Rivers, I think it's going to generate a lot of excitement and um, I think it's going to bleed over into these adjacent commercial areas. So. I, I don't I don't see it being like a really far off twenty year plan. Inside five years or outside five years? Best best professional judgment. I I, I would say with I would say within five years. Thank you. Thank you so much, Commissioner Kaufman. Thank you so much. Uh we'll take public comment now. We have a public comment card from Mr. Sean White. Any other members of the public would like to speak on this item, please fill out a comment card and return to the Commission Secretary. Good evening, Chair. Good evening, Commissioners. Uh, my name is Sean Wright. I'm a resident of the Mansion Flats neighborhood. I'm also to the president of the Alkali Mansion Flats Historic Neighborhood Association. And I was also to a member of the Choice Neighborhood Initiative uh, that uh, applied for the grant for the Twin Rivers Housing Project. Uh, obviously, they've received the award of $30 million from HUD to uh, support the Twin Rivers housing project, uh, which includes uh, affordable housing and also market rate housing. But one of the things that was determined in that exhaustive process to apply for that grant was that just renovating the housing was not going to be the only thing that was going to make a, a benefit for the people that live there. One of the goals of the Choice Neighborhood Initiative is to change the outcome for the people that live there. And one of the things that was noticed is that the concentration of social services uh, in that area was a huge detriment to the people that live there. So one of the goals of the Choice Neighborhood Initiative is to reduce some of those services so that they're not impacted in that one area and that people that live there have to deal with that alone. That should be something that should be spread out through the entire city. Um, this particular project uh, is considered a social service in, in effect. Uh, it 
basically adds to the concentration of services in that area. Um, <coughs> we basically look at this as, as our neighborhood is basically, as you asked earlier or spoke earlier, what neighborhood is next to this? This neighborhood of Akalai Flat and Mansion Flat is pretty much basically one block away from it. So there's uh, basically 10,000 homes in that area. Um, so we basically think that this project should be denied, so not because that the service that they provide are bad, just simply because that they are over-concentrated in that one area. And uh, there are several projects, as uh, Evan has mentioned, that are coming down the pike, the Twin Rivers, hopefully the soccer stadium, the uh, cycle track, um, hopefully a new light rail station. Uh, and obviously those projects will be synergistic, synergistic to add uh, additional projects in the area. So with that said, I uh, hope that you support staff's recommendation to deny the CUP. Thank you. Thank you. Any other members of the public that like to speak on this item? Seeing none, we'll turn back to Commissioner Commons. Commissioner Kaufman? So, sorry, Mr. City Attorney. If Chair, I, I think at this time it would be uh, opportune to offer the applicant a chance for rebuttal, uh, although we only had one speaker uh, from the public. It, it is an opportunity for the applicant to do a rebuttal if they'd like. Will do. Please hold, Mr. Commissioner Coffin. Applicant, would you like to rebut? Thank you. I, I really don't know how to respond to that. Um, it is it is a social service program. Um, however, it's not open to the public. So it's uh, these are handpicked individuals. It's not open to hundreds of people to walk in and receive services because they desire services. Similar to most of the programs that are there now. For instance, the Salvation Army or the Goodwill programs or Loaves and Fishes. Anybody who wants the services can walk there and access the services. This is a closed program. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Kaufman? Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, I'm going to move staff recommendation. If there had been some sense that, that this particular area was on a longer trajectory in the path of development, I would have really seriously considered a, a, a five-year um, conditional use permit. I know that the city attorney often doesn't like that. This is a different circumstance in that the contract period, you know, the CUP would be in sync with the contract period and still allow us to retain options when development was likely to occur. But I actually do agree with Mr. Compton that, that the level of excitement around the projects that we have approved further down Richards Boulevard and closer with this uh, Dos Rios project um, are, are going to accelerate the pace of development in this particular area. And for that reason, um, I, I agree with the staff recommendation on this. Thank you so much, Commissioner Coffin. Move the staff, re staff recommendation. I think I heard a second from Commissioner Pluckybaum. Is that accurate? Thank you. Commissioner LaFossa? Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, I'm, I'm, I have found this matter pretty challenging, and somehow these correctional things get the lawyer really out in me. But um, apropos to the frequent discussions we've had in terms of conditional use permits about what standards are, I got to say, every time I hear case-by-case -case basis 
That's code for no standards and capriciousness. We as planning commissioners are supposed to implement policy. We tell the people who yell at us on the street in the grocery store every day that we're not like elected officials and we don't just get to do what we feel. We have to do what the policies are, and we need to know what the policies are to do that. Otherwise, we ourselves can't communicate any consistency, again, to those same numbers, neighbors who yell at us in the grocery store and on the street. My, the reason I'm hot under the collar is two basic reasons. Number one is absolutely the issue that Commissioner Kaufman raised, because you know I've had a lot of conversations with you, Mr. Compton, about this particular area, both in the context of the Dos Rios project and the auto use that we did about two months ago. <coughs> and with all due respects, Mr. Compton, you have contradicted yourself on the time frame. You articulated a much more long-range time frame when we talked about Dos Rios about five months ago. Now, I understand situations are fluid. Lots is going on. I went to, you know, a really interesting community meeting on all the cycling and possession improvements on 16th Street just two weeks ago. So, you know, may maybe it's new stuff. Um, but also apropos to the auto use we approved about two months ago, in so many of our staff reports, the orientation is to favor the present opportunity over the future aspiration. But now we are favoring the future aspiration over the present opportunity. So again, it's my consistency sensitivity. And I guess I'm just going to really lay it on that in my some 15 years, either being an administrative adjudicatory decision maker or advising them, you know, I've always found staff reports to be very one-sided. It's sort of win the argument and not kind of balanced and let the decision-makers see the grayness of the <coughs> argument. This is case in point. Again, the, the, the well-structured neighborhoods analysis is flipped on its head. The present opportunity versus future aspiration analysis is on its head. I had a lot of problem with it. Um, I came in here sort of with two really deep thoughts. Again, all due respect to the applicant. And in a moment, I'm going to invoke Mr. Wright, who actually came up with the best argument for the staff recommendation in this entire hearing. Um, with all due respect, actually, I really appreciated, Mr. Wright, that you didn't get hung up on the nature of the service. Are you still here, Mr. Wright? Departed. Too bad. You've got to watch the tape, Mr. Wright. Anyway, that we weren't getting hung up on sort of, you know, what the nature of the service. It's a service use, and whether it's inside or outside, it's a service use. Um, I came recalling the very probative discussion I had with the applicant on Dos Rios, and frankly, all of the questions I asked him about when the market was going to take hold and really make that property sustainable in economic terms in its own right, absent all of the subsidies that are part and parcel of the Choice Neighborhood Initiative that Mr. Wright talked about. Um, but the amount of investment that the city has put into that project, I think, is compelling in and of itself. And frankly, it's the best objective reason to say this site doesn't quite, um, doesn't quite meet the criteria. Um, I, I left the auto use uncomfortable again that we were 
foregoing the present opportunity, excuse me, foregoing the future aspiration for the present opportunity. I myself have had, you know, pretty, pretty deep aspirations for the River District way back when we started talking about its connectivity to the rail yards, way at our first rail yards hearing like two <coughs> years ago. So it, it's, it's that sensitivity of the rail yards and my focus on the enormous investment the city's made in Dos Rios. Um, and I think Mr. Wright again put the nail on the head about, you know, what the analysis of that site said for it to be, um, to be, uh, uh, be consistent. So um, I struggle with this. I had issues with the staff report. I think I've made them clear in all candor. Mr. Hannibut and Mr. Compton, if you wanted to take a point of personal privilege, I would not have an issue with that, although that's the chair's decision, not mine. But anyway, um, struggling with the matter as I've articulated, I am going to support the staff recommendation. I don't think that it's uh, important to get into all of the specifics. I'd be happy to talk to you offline, but I, I don't see that the support for uh, auto sales within an existing building, which performs more like a retail use uh, along Richards Boulevard to be equivalent with this particular use. But I, again, we don't need to get into the specifics. I'd be happy to talk offline. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Plockybaum. I just wanted to say to the applicant, I think this is a great project, just in the wrong location, uh, and that's why I'm supporting the staff recommendation. I do sincerely hope you continue to seek out other locations in the city. Um, I think it's a needed use, and, and we would be happy to have you in a, in a location with more compatible use. Thank you, Commissioner Plogibon. Commissioner Lucian. Thank you, uh, Mr. Chair. I struggle with the same points that I, I think that um, Commissioner LaFaso just raised. Um, we're, we're talking about uh, speculative, speculative at best <clears throat> with respect to um, energy and excitement and blah, 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 uh, surrounding this area um, when, in fact, if I think I heard you correctly, you've had some pre-development meetings. So there's nothing in the pipeline. Um, and you can clarify if, if, that, if there actually is something in the pipeline. Um, but based on a speculation about uh, what is going to take place here or what is hopeful to take place here, <coughs> um, that being one of the conditions for denial, um, aside from that, I would just go back to what I, I, I think you, you mentioned previously uh, in terms of the criteria that would be most fitting for a site like this. It's walking distance to a freeway. Um, there are numerous transit opportunities, including a Dos Rios station that is, I, I believe, received funding from SACOG. <clears throat> so it's not really about transit. Let's just, let's just be honest. It's not about transit. It is not about proximity or access to transportation. Um, it may be about, uh, there are no re the, notwithstanding the zoning, there's very little residential in this area. So those types of quote-unquote neighborhood uses, well, they aren't going to be there if there's no neighborhood. Um, <clears throat> there are some amenities, uh, what, Capital Casino and Suites. That's a close amenity there. So 
also some recreational opportunities, the pipe works and things like that. <coughs> but for the most part, it is not here right now. Um, so I, I, I reviewed the staff report. Uh, some things are just not clicking. I, I, I think that all of these, for the most part, ambiguous goals and aspirations are clearly being conformed to the predetermined decision that has already been made, which is we don't want this location in this area. And um, I think it would it would it would do us well, it would do us well, to um, apply the same level of scrutiny, much more consistent fashion, going forward in the future. That's all I have. Thank you so much, Vice Resolution Commissioner Lafasa. I'm I'm sorry to queue up again, Mr. Chair. The Commissioner Pluckebaum's comment reminded me something. When we had the last item at a very different, there was this <coughs> vein of discussion about challenges citing a location for this federal pilot project in the city of Sacramento. And I, uh, I don't know what the answer is. I guess over time, and not to prejudice this particular matter in front of us, but, but of course there's another applicant and another bidder, and my hope is we will treat them equally and fairly and respect everybody's due process rights. But as more than one potential bidder for this pilot project seeks an appropriate location, and there seems to be this just this thing out there that finding a location in Sacramento is just not an easy thing. Um, I, 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 I wish there's something that we would, we should, we would do about that. And if there's a very non-land use-oriented policy that doesn't view having this service in the city as desirable, um, that somehow that needle could be threaded, not from a due process standpoint, just from a, from a city policy standpoint. Um, again, I don't know where I'm going on this, but uh, there's, just, there's, just, there's just something that's not connecting on this issue, and maybe it will in a couple months. I don't know. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner LaFalso. I just want to uh, concur with the comments from the commissioners here. You know, I, I, I think rehabilitation is a good thing. My father served in federal prison. Getting people out, back in society is great. But um, I, from the findings in the staff report, the comments here, I think this is the wrong location. With that, we'll, we'll take the, the vote. Commissioner Kaufman? Aye. Lindsay? Aye. Farrell? Aye. Becky Baum? Aye. Juan Connolly? Aye. E? Aye. LaFaso? Aye. Vice Chair Lucian? Aye. Chair Burke? Aye. Motion passes. Thank you. Moving on to item seven. Please <clears throat> note that item has been withdrawn and uh, re notice at a future date. Uh, any additional public comment? On any items listed on the agenda seeing none any other member comments ideas questions <coughs> and conference reports seeing none from the commissioners we are adjourned thank you so much commissioners have a great Thanksgiving oh, thank you. Thank you.